According to the Bible, there are two distinct paths in this world that a person can travel, the path of folly or the path of wisdom. The path of folly entices us with what's quick and easy and immediately pleasurable, and yet that path leads to death. The path of wisdom, however, might seem harder, and yet because wisdom begins with nothing less than the fear of the Lord, wisdom's road leads to flourishing into life. Today on Groundwork, we will look at how the Bible portrays that deadly path, the way of folly, as pursued by those who are called fools. Stay tuned. From Words of Hope and Reframe Media, this is Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. And Dave, we're um, doing just a very short series, it doesn't get much shorter than this, just two programs on what constitute really some pr- a pretty major theme in the Bible, the theme of wisdom and its counterpart, folly. And so we're just going to do two programs. We're going to start with folly today so that right. we can end on the positive note. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with the negative side of the coin and then end uh, in the next program by uh, examining fo- uh, wisdom in a very positive context. Right. And of course, when we think of this, as many of our listeners probably know, whenever you talk about wisdom and folly, it's a short leap to the book of Proverbs. It certainly is. In fact, there is a whole genre of the Old Testament in particular that's known as the wisdom literature. Right. And it's really about how to live, and and supremely, that's crystallized in the book of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're familiar with it, if you've ever read it, you know that it's mostly short sayings, many of them just a verse uh, long, sometimes a little bit longer passage that uses uh, really graphic language and imagery to illustrate, on the one hand, the right way to live, the way of wisdom. On the other hand, the wrong way to live, the way of folly. All right. And one thing I think to point out at the beginning of this program and of this short two-part series is something that I learned in seminary, uh, and that is one of the first things to distinguish um, here is that there's a difference biblically between knowledge and, and wisdom. Now, sometimes knowledge and wisdom are used interchangeably in, in the book of Proverbs, but basically, knowledge is what you learn in school. Yeah. It's classroom learning, the multiplication tables, book dates learning. of history, book learning. Wisdom is sort of from the school of hard knocks. Wisdom is what you learn out on the streets by paying attention to how the world works and adjusting your life accordingly. Yeah, and so one of the consequences of that distinction is that a person can have a whole lot of knowledge and still be a fool, yep. uh, still lack wisdom. Uh, in fact, C.S. Lewis uh, in one of his books says that a man may be a master of arts and still be a fool. Right. You, can, you can have advanced degrees, you can have a PhD, and yet you haven't really learned uh, the basic rules of a happy and successful life, and that's another way of describing wisdom. The problem, and here's the focus of part of this program, the problem with fools is that they can't be taught. They, they don't pay any attention. They're just so sure of themselves that they don't pay attention. They just make it up as they go. And so the old saying, fools are often in error, but never in doubt. Um, <laughs> that's and that's, good. that's the essence of it. Well, and so they're vulnerable as a result of that, too, by not paying attention. 
You think of some of the common sayings, uh, and now we'll get to Proverbs in just a moment and look at the biblical material, but just common everyday adages that everyone has heard. A fool and his money are soon parted, for example. Why is that? They're vulnerable to being uh, taken, to being cheated, because they don't pay attention, as you said. And to spending without any uh, Right, exactly. Uh, uh, Blowing their money, throwing it away on stupid things, really dumb purchases. Uh, that's one of the reasons why so many lottery winners end up actually going bankrupt, yeah. uh, according to the statistics. So, yeah, the, these wonderful characterizations, and it's really about finding a way through life that won't hurt you but will enable you to flourish. That's the distinction. What's really, really interesting about the book of Proverbs is that it uses so many common everyday illustrations for it. So it's sort of like, you know, if you spit into the wind and your spit comes back and hits you in the face, the wise say, well, spitting into the wind is a dumb idea. Whereas the foolish just keep spitting into the wind and every time they get their spit comes back, they're like, well, I didn't think that would happen again. Again, they they just prove themselves to be unteachable. They don't pay attention. They saw off the branch they're sitting on. Exactly. uh, (laughs) Which you've sometimes seen that in a car cartoon maybe. That's the essence of folly. And in Proverbs, uh, where we want to turn now, uh, we want to look at a wonderful passage from the first chapter of Proverbs in which uh, we read about wisdom and folly both personified as women, interestingly enough. So there's lady wisdom and there's lady folly. Here's how Proverbs describes it. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, this is wisdom speaking now, to fools, they refuse to listen, And no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand. Since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they'll call to me, but I will not answer. They'll look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. That's from Proverbs 1. And again, Dave, it goes to exactly what we were just saying. A core problem of people who are trapped in folly, people that we would label as fools, is they are unteachable. They will not accept rebuke. They don't take instruction well. They're just sure that they don't need it. That's a core problem. Um, it's interesting here, too, and this is from Proverbs 1, uh, but we could also sort of note that in in the Psalms, in Psalm 1, all of humanity gets divided up into just two simple groups, mm-hmm. the righteous and the wicked. Proverbs makes the same move, but it's the wise and the foolish. Now, sometimes that might seem a little too black and white to us just to divide up all of humanity because we all know that, yeah, we're all mixtures of these things. Wise people make foolish decisions, though they Mm -hmm. often learn from them. But it's the general pattern that's interesting. And so even though it seems overly simplistic to divide all of humanity into just these two groups, when you think about it, there's a lot of truth to that. There are people who are just singularly foolish day after day, and there are a lot of other people who are just wise all the time. Right. And at bottom, I think the problem with the wicked, as with the foolish, is that they've 
chosen to reject God, the word of God, the will of God, the way of God. And in doing so, as we see today, so many people think that they can make it all up for themselves, that they don't have to listen to anyone or anything else. They, they don't have to really decide on the basis of anything other than their own desire or their own opinion. And that classically is the characteristic of a fool, a fool who won't listen, right. who won't take instruction. But it does usually lead to some level of pain and discouragement. So why would people choose that? Well, uh, we're going to take that up in just a moment with another really important passage from Proverbs 9, and that'll come up next. What if you could spend time in Scripture while you drove to work? What if, while you were making dinner, you could engage in thoughtful reflection about your relationship with God? What if every time you exercised, you worked on your body and your spirit? When you subscribe to the Words of Hope Daily Devotional, you'll be able to listen to a few minutes of Scripture and reflection wherever you are. Check out the Words of Hope Daily Devotional wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Bast, along with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, where today we're beginning a brief two-part series on wisdom and folly. We're looking at folly first, and especially what Proverbs has to teach us about that. Now we want to listen to these verses from Proverbs chapter 9. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Whoa. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it is. So here, uh, Folly is personified as a lady, a woman, and uh, not to put too fine a point on it, a woman who lacks virtue, uh, really a prostitute uh, uh, who's enticing all those who pass by, described as the simple, to come to her house and enjoy what is sweet and take pleasure from what she has to offer. And in inviting people to do that, it's actually an invitation to them to death, to destruction. Well, it turns out it is, all right? So, I mean, the, the one thing that's interesting is that what this uh, part of Proverbs 9 is saying is that Lady Folly finally has no substance. There's nothing to her. There's no there there, which would make her the opposite of wisdom in the sense that wisdom, as we'll see more in the next program, ties in with God's good designs for creation. Creation is substantive, right? It leads to a full, robust life whereas folly leads to an emptied-out life because it's built on lies and it's built on crime. Stolen bread is delicious. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Come eat what's what's been stolen. And this passage very directly says it's sort of like the walking dead or something. The people who enter that house don't come out. Uh, right. they're, they're shriveled up. They're used up um, because that's where folly leads you. And folly leads you away from God who is our life. Therefore, the alternative is death. And it's a trap, really. I mean, there's a kind of tragic note to this. And the writer of Proverbs is almost pleading in all of these passages. I don't think uh, these words are written out of a spirit of sort of vindictiveness or self-satisfaction or, oh, you're going to get what's coming to you. Uh, There's a pleading note here. There's There's a sense of the tragedy of people who were meant for life being seduced literally sometimes seduced, Mm -hmm. into the way of death. 
and uh, they won't wake up until it's too late and they can't escape and the consequences can't be undone. So this is a life or death thing. I think that's one of the big things we need to say about the difference between wisdom and folly. The choices that each of us face in this regard are choices of life versus death. Yep. And so the question becomes, when you read something as stark um, as Proverbs 9, you sort of say, well, who would ever fall for that? I mean, isn't it pretty obvious that this leads to death? Why would, and yet people do, of course, every day. They, they engage in high-risk behavior. Right. They make foolish investments and choices. They do this every day. And the question is why? Well, some verses from Proverbs 5 give us a clue. Yeah, here they are. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. So turns out folly's very smooth talking. Her, right. her words are like honey and oil. They're sweet. They, they're appealing. It's almost like the allure of drugs, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. where people are promised a high and they feel it at first, but suddenly they discover that the high goes away and they're trapped. And they need they're, more, and next thing you know, all their money is spent trying to buy more. So in addition to being kind of a smooth-talking, you know, make-it-sound-good uh, sort of seductress, folly, lady folly, as personified in Proverbs, um, also knows that she can appeal to the people who live by the slogan, if it feels right, do it, uh, right? Or sort of what I read a while back, sort of somebody said, you want to know what the quintessential modern-day proverb is that dictates a lot of people's lives? Different strokes for different folks. Mm. And so the idea is there are no fixed patterns in life. How dare you puritanical, uptight, button-down Christian people tell me how to live as though there's a one-size-fits-all morality? No, no, no. I can make up the rules as I go along, uh, maximize my pleasure quotient. There are no fixed patterns here. So don't tell me you know, that there are lines inside of which I have to color. I can color anywhere on the page I want. That's sort of the essence of folly, and it leads to death. It, it sure does, because uh, the fool, in addition to not really taking instruction, not really thinking, not believing that he has to follow the rules, rules are for other people, they're for dummies, he can sort of make up his own way as he goes. But fools never look ahead either. They, they're right. incapable of reasoning out and seeing the consequences of the choices that they're making, seeing where that will lead. So there's a wonderful parable in the New Testament, one of Jesus' parables, the parable of the rich fool, who's this farmer who has a bumper crop, and he says, oh, now what will I do? I know I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and I'll have all kinds of stuff, and I'll live easy and enjoy myself for the rest of my life. Sounds like a fool. Uh, Because that night, God comes to him and says, you fool, tonight you're going to die. Then what's going to happen with all these things? So he never thought beyond the next day or today even. He never understood that ultimately we are eternal creatures who are meant for God. And no disrespect to teenagers, but one of the things that people have noted for a long time about teenagers is they seem to have this idea that they're indestructible. They don't have to worry about consequences. They can binge drink and they can, you know, engage in high risk driving behaviors on the highway and nothing's going to happen to me. 
most mature people mature out of that. <laughs> By the time you become an adult, you realize you can't live in the moment like that. It's dangerous. You aren't indestructible. The world doesn't revolve around you. But some people never grow out of that. Some people continue to live that way when they get into business and they don't have foresight, right? They never look ahead. They never say, you know, this particular investment scheme has never worked in the history of mankind. Right. But I think this time it will, so we'll do it again. Yeah. Um, and they, they pay no attention. One of the things they lack is imagination. They can't uh, project themselves into an alternative future uh, if things don't go the way they are going or they're expected. So uh, so all of this is a little bit dark. Uh, you know, we've been painting quite a picture of folly and its ways. And uh, we're going to brighten it up in the next program when we look at the opposite, which is wisdom. But before we do that, before we close this program, uh, we'd like to think a little bit even now about what are the ways uh, that perhaps we can escape following the trajectory and in enduring the fate of the fool. So that's where we'll turn next. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Dave Bast. And so, Dave, we said we want to close out this program. We've been talking kind of darkly about the way of the fool and that how it leads to destruction and death and suffering. Let's assume that all of us would just as soon not be fools. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that we would uh, just as soon avoid making those kinds of choices, much less having that pattern dictate our whole life. What are some things that we can do? Well, we'll have three ideas in this final part of this program, Dave. And the first one we can kick off by a well-known line from Psalm 14, not a proverb this time, but from Psalm 14, the opening verse, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Right. So the first thing to do, uh, if you don't want to be a fool, is acknowledge God. And it, I think we should point out here that the psalmist is referring not to what we might think of in modern terms as an atheist. There were, right. there were hardly any atheists in the ancient world. This is not something theoretical or philosophical. The fool who says there is no God is a practical atheist. Right. It's a person who lives as though God doesn't exist, or at least doesn't yeah. matter. Or God's far away. He's he, he's not going to look at me. There's no God here. Right. Right. He's not worried about my business decisions or what I do more morally or with my sexuality. Uh, there's no God paying any attention. He has no bearing on my here and now, so I'm free to make up the rules as I go. And so a major first step, and of course we'll be thinking about this a lot in the next program when we talk about the fear of the Lord, but a major first step to avoid folly is saying there is a God, there is a God here, yep. there is a God who cares about me, uh, who's paying attention to me, and who has given me the roadmap for a wise life. And so my job is to say, yes, there is a God and I'm not it, and therefore I want to you know, serve that God. Well, here's a second practice that can help us avoid Folly, and it's something we talked about uh, right from the beginning in this program, the idea of teachableness. Right. Uh, the great theologian John Calvin once described his conversion, really, in a simple phrase. He said, God subdued my heart to teachableness. Mm -hmm. So uh, that not only 
describes the way perhaps you can become a Christian, but it describes the way you learn to become wise, which is to open your ears, to be willing to listen, to be willing to be corrected or challenged, become a learner, become one who doesn't think they know it all. Uh, you know, again, right. there's, a, there's a synonym for a fool, right? A know-it-all. Know-it-all, yeah. And Dave, you just touched on something which uh, is so important about this aspect of uh, avoiding folly by being teachable, and that is being willing to accept a rebuke. Now, let's admit, none of us like to be rebuked. We didn't like it when we were kids and our parents, you know, yelled at us. We don't like it when our spouse does it or a fellow member of the church. Nobody thrives on being told you were wrong. But a wise person will have to say now and then, I was, Mm. and you're right, I'm wrong. Uh, And we see this over and over in the book of Proverbs. It's like a refrain uh, that you could multiply a hundred times over. And there's some verses uh, in Proverbs 4, Dave, that speak to that theme of this book. So now uh, the figure changes to a father, not a, a lady, but a man. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding, and do not forget my words or turn away from them. So listen, (laughs) like a a good son listens to a good father, and uh, don't turn away, don't blow it off. Don't scoff at it. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant, right? Those are the things that will cut you off from that kind of teachability. Don't conclude, ah, oh, there's nothing my old man can teach me. There's nothing my teachers can teach me. Uh, I know what I, I know what I need to know already. You know, I'm, uh, you know, no, no, no. The Bible says that kind of arrogance leads to death because it makes you unwilling to accept rebuke, makes you roll your eyes every time somebody mm. talks to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's the bored looking kid in the back of the classroom, staring out the window, chewing gum, just won't listen to the teacher. Right. If that's your stance all in all of life, good luck. Or the person who gets angry whenever anyone tries to, even however gently, <laughs> I'm thinking of myself here, <laughs> uh, tries to point out, hey, you know, maybe there's a better way. Uh, maybe that's a, not the best decision that you're making. Uh, all of these things are the way of the fool, and the, the way of wisdom is to listen Just listen. And also, and here's the third thing to mention at the close of this program, listen also to those who are old, uh, to those who are elderly, to those who have been around the block a few times, right? Proverbs 16, verse 31, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. You know, so often today, Dave, life moves along pretty quick. Young people are sure, oh yeah, grandma doesn't even know about Facebook or Twitter. She's out of it. But the Bible says, no, listen to your elders. If they have been wise people, and it's no guarantee, right? There's no fool like an old fool. So just being old doesn't make you wise. But if they are, if they have themselves been teachable their whole lives, then it's well to sit at their feet and say, what can you tell me, grandma? You know, what, what can you teach me on how to live right? Well, like all traditional societies, the world of the Bible, uh, respected age, looked up to those who had presumably, again, we said it's the school of hard knocks, right, that, mm-hmm. uh, that teaches you wisdom. Well, those who've lived the most through it 
and uh, have profited the most by it, uh, have something to teach the rest of us. So pay attention. Yep. Uh, be sure you listen. Don't it, chalk it up as just old-fashioned. Right. It isn't necessarily. And you know what it comes down to in a word, Scott, I think, is humility. Yep. The person who is wise will be humble yep. and yep. will recognize they don't have all the answers. The world doesn't revolve around you. Creation didn't spring into existence the moment you were born. In humility, which the theologian uh, Robert Roberts, Robert C. Roberts, he says this is the core Christian virtue. All Christian virtue ultimately ties in with humility. And what humility says is, there is a God, you're not it. Accept your place in God's good order. Accept your station in life. Don't be uppity. Don't think that uh, you, you, you can never make a mistake and be rebuked for it. You can be. And so be discerning. Be humble, because that posture of humility will open up all these other things we've been talking about. There are those who have something to teach me. There are people who know more than I do about most things. And if I'm willing to acknowledge that and to set aside my opinion and be guided by the wisdom of my elders and, and, as we used to say, elders and betters, I will find that that's the way that leads to life. And that's the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs and of Scripture generally, to do the things that make for delight and flourishing. That's what God desires for all his creatures. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Dave Bast with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we turn our attention to Proverbs personification of and teaching on wisdom. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to let us know what scripture passages or topics you'd like to hear discussed on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Media in partnership with Words of Hope. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris and our post-production supervisor is Mark Drenth. Our studio relations manager is Christy Prince. Our content and managing producer is Courtney Jacob. And our executive producer is Stephen Koster. 